Well, we're going to go ahead and jump into the message this morning. We're in week two of our uh, kind of our Christmas series. It's, it's entitled, For Unto Us a Child is Born. Our main text is found in Isaiah 9, 6a. It's, it's one that we, we hear a lot this time of year. It's, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. What the series is really about is about births. One of the things that we celebrate, obviously, at Christmas is the birth of Jesus. And the Bible talks about many births. There's some births that, that are left out, but the ones that are there are there for a very important reason. And we're going to be, throughout the month of December, looking at these births, looking at what we can learn from them, what they help us understand, what they help us to see, um, and how important they are to us, and important to us as far as our growth, as far as what God wants us to see and understand this time of year. And so last week we started with the birth of Isaac and we, we talked about how God comes and God can do the impossible and that we can believe and have hope that God can do the impossible in our lives, that there's nothing that is too hard for him. And, and this morning we're going to jump into uh, the, the, the story of the birth of the story of the birth of John. Now, I know there's lots of Johns in this church, and I know there's lots of Johns in the Bible. So just so you know, we're going to be talking about John the Baptist this morning. Basically, Jesus' cousin, and, and right before, really, in the same area, the birth of Jesus. Before we jump into there, let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for this day and this time. Father, I pray that you would help us as we look at these things. Uh, give us wisdom. Open our hearts to what you desire to communicate us to, to us this morning. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's go ahead and start by looking at the birth of John. John's birth is recorded in Luke the first chapter, and that's where we're going to be today. Now, I want to give us a little bit of background here, a little bit more than just the, the actual birth, but the story of his birth, how it comes about, because I think it's important for us to learn from this morning. So we're going to start in Luke uh, chapter 1. We're going to start with verse number 5, and we're going to kind of go through this together. This is what it says. When Herod was king of Judah, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijab, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive and they were both very old. It's kind of interesting here. It's kind of, kind of going kind of with the, some of the same storyline that we had last week with the birth of Isaac. But Zechariah and Elizabeth are great people. They're following God's laws. They're doing the things that they are supposed to do. But in this situation, uh, Elizabeth is barren. She's unable to have children okay and so that's kind of where we're at now they're old in, in their age and so now we continue on with verse number eight in Luke chapter one it says one day Zechariah was serving God in the temple for his order was on duty that week as was the custom of the priest he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense while the incense was being burned a great crowd stood outside praying while Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing in the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid. Zechariah, God has heard your prayer. God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. 
And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and the power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Okay, so let's kind of take a moment here. What's going on? Basically, Zechariah, and we're going to talk about this more in depth in a little bit, but Zechariah has been chosen by Lot, which is a, a way that the people in the Old Testament and even somewhat into the New Testament before the Holy Spirit is given, they use to kind of figure out what God is thinking, okay? If this will help you, basically they're drawing straws. You ever did that when you were a kid? You know, everybody had the, the straws and you pick it out. Kind of the same idea. And they would use that as a way of basically saying, this was God's will. This is what God wanted. God is choosing this situation. So Zechariah has been chosen to go into the temple, and he's in there. And while he's in there, the angel of the Lord, who we're going to find out in just a minute, is Gabriel, comes and tells him, hey, listen, God has heard your prayers, and you and Elizabeth are going to have a son. You're to name him John. And he is going to be a great man. He is going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Really what we learn about John later on in the book, and we're not going to get into it too much today, but he is the forerunner. He is the man that comes before Jesus to prepare the way for Jesus' arrival. Okay, And so he's going to be very... Um, important in the story and so this is the situation he's been told now let's jump into the response it found verse 18 starting with verse number 18 this is what Zechariah says he says to the angel how can I be sure this will happen I'm an old man now and my wife is also well along in years then the angel said I am Gabriel I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. When he did finally come out, he couldn't speak to them. Then they realized from his gestures and his silence that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. So once again, we see the response here is almost very, very similar to what we talked about last week. It's, it's how, but Zechariah says something a little bit more. He wants to know how I, how I can know this will happen. He wants a guarantee that what the angel has communicated is going to take place. And it's kind of interesting because a lot of us, when God speaks to us, when God shares things in our hearts, whether it be in an individual sense or in the word of God, we want a guarantee. We want to know that what God says is going to take place. Now, you would think that in this moment, Zechariah would realize, man, there is an angel here. I am in the presence of the Lord. This is gonna, this, I can take this to the bank. But he doesn't. And this is not a guy that we could look at and go, boy, this guy didn't really know what was going on. We know from Scripture this was a righteous man. And it's kind of interesting that it seems like in our lives, we, we tend to have that response to Zechariah. How can I know for sure? We don't want to get duped. We don't want to get fooled. We don't want to get egg on our face, if that makes sense. We don't want to hold out hope for something and then be disappointed at the end. But why do we do that? Why did Zechariah do that? Here's why. It's in your notes, and I think you need to catch this because we can learn from Zechariah's response to this. Zechariah looked at circumstances first 
and what God can do last. Okay? He looked at, he said, I'm old, my wife is old. The circumstances in his world didn't make sense for the promise of God to take place. We are tempted to think that this is logical, but if God is real, there is nothing logical about putting circumstances before him. There's nothing logical in that. We think, we think that, that well, well look, at, look at the situation, look at the circumstances. How could this take place? And we can't do that. We, get, we, get, we don't want to do that. We need to be a people that go, you know what? We look at God first. We see what God can do. We can know that God can do all things. There's nothing too hard for him. And when we do that, it's easier to believe what God is saying because we look at him first. Because circumstances don't matter to God. Isn't that wonderful? God doesn't look at the circumstances and go, oh my goodness, look at the situation I'm dealing with here. What am I going to do? We need to have the heart and the mind of God in these things because we tend to look at our circumstances and then, okay, well, God, what can you do with the circumstances? And that's what Zechariah did. And because of that, he is being mute. He's not able to speak. His voice is silenced. But here's what's awesome. Let's look at Luke 1, 57 through 58. When it was time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, she gave birth to a son. And when her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had been very merciful to her, everyone rejoiced with her. Listen. Today, as we get into this, this story, and we're going to dive into it a little bit deeper here in a moment... We need to understand something. And this is in your notes. This is point number two we need to look at. The birth of John gives us the hope that God will fulfill all his promises. All his promises. Not some of them. Not, not when the circumstances seem to fit. Not when it's hard. Not when it's easy. God, when he makes a promise, it will be done. It will happen. There's not a question. We don't have to sit there and wonder. We don't have to be like Zachariah. We don't have to sit there and go, well, how will I know? The answer to that question is simple. We know because God has promised it. That's how we know. That's why we can stand in faith and hope knowing that. Let's look at Joshua 21. In Joshua 21, 45, it says this, not a single one of all the good promises. Listen, again, we talk about this. If you have a phone that you can highlight or you have a Bible and you circle or write things, do me a favor, circle or highlight not a single one. Not a single one, okay? Of all the good promises the Lord had given to the family of Israel was left unfulfilled. Everything, circle everything, he had spoken came true. Everything. Look at Hebrews 10, 23. In Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold tightly without wavering. Okay, listen, hear me here. Okay, I will share you a little bit of, of, of my struggles when God promised me, me things. There are times where I can hold very tightly, but there are times based on my situation or circumstances that quite honestly, I waver. I go, did I really understand God? Did God really say that about me? But listen to what the writer of Hebrews says. He says, hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. 
He can be trusted to keep his promise. So question, and I'm going to show you exactly, and we've gone through this before, but I wanted, you, I wanted you to see it right in black and white or on the screen this morning, how God fulfills his promise to Zechariah and Elizabeth. I want you to see this. It's in your notes. God fulfills his promise to Zechariah and Elizabeth. Let's look again at Luke 1, 13 and 14. In Luke 1, 13 through 14, it says, But the angel said, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. There's the promise. And listen, the promise here is more than we sometimes understand. Sometimes we think the promise is just for us. But as we look here, God's promises are so big, they're so multifaceted, that we can sit there and go, listen, not only was John's birth for his parents, not only was it an answer to their prayers, but it was an answer to prophecy. It was an answer to other people's prayers. It was an answer to a community's prayers. Listen, those people knew them. Come on. They're friends with them. You don't think that there was people that started praying, oh God, could you give Zechariah and Elizabeth a child? God, could you, could you answer that prayer for them? So they've been praying. We know that Zechariah and Elizabeth have been praying. And this angel has come and said, this is the promise. This is what God has said. I have come to you to share what God has said. Now let's look at Luke 1, 57 and 58 again. When it was time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, she gave birth to a son. And when her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had been very merciful to her, everyone rejoiced with her. This was an exciting event. This was a big deal. This was not just something. When God, listen, hear me here. When God brings forth promises, it is, it is a big deal. God's promises are big. They're important. They don't just affect you. They affect a lot of people. Because God looks at it and he goes, man, I can do great things through these promises. I can do amazing things. But you know what I've heard? I've literally heard people, we've talked about this before, or I've talked to people, and people will go, you know, I don't know if God's ever promised me much. I don't know if God's not really made me any promises. Well, listen. Now, I, now listen, hear me, hear me here. I know... That there are times when I begin to speak rather quickly. I try so hard to not speak quickly because I could go about a million. You know, when I was a kid, I don't know if you guys remember this. I'm going to show my age. When I was a kid, we had micro machines. Remember micro machines? Yeah, Gordon, you know what I'm talking about. I have some in my office. If you, know, you want to know what they are, I'll show you. And they had the micro machine man. And they hired the world's fastest talker to basically do the commercials. Remember that? You know, I've been, you know, people have said, you kind of talk like that sometimes. So, so typically I try really hard not to do that. But I'm going to try to get through this, but I want you to hear these promises, okay? The Bible has literally thousands of promises for you and for me. You can never say God hasn't made me a promise because God has made me major promises. God has made you major promises. And I just got a hundred. I just got a hundred 
And there's thousands. And I'm going to read these to you. And I want you to listen and I want you to hear because these are promises that we can trust. These are promises that we can know. These are promises that we know God will accomplish in us and through us. Are you ready? Here we go. The Lord will fight for you. God's mercies are new every morning. God will renew your strength. The Lord will help you. The Lord will be with you. God's love will not be shaken. No weapon formed against you will prevail. You are free from darkness. You are forgiven of sin. The Lord will never forsake you. God has a plan for you. You have received grace and peace. God is your your light and salvation. The Lord hears you. God will deliver you. God's love is abounding. Your God is your stronghold. He satisfies your desires with good things. God's joy is your strength. God will pour out his spirit on all. God will give you a new heart. God is good. God's love endures forever. God is sovereign. God's word is trustworthy. God is your refuge. The Lord grants favor and honor. God will make your path straight. The righteous like no good thing. God hears your prayers. The Lord is near. God will give you comfort. God loves, fills the earth. God will forgive you. God will come near to you. God will set you free. God will meet your needs. God works for your good. God's peace will guard you. God gives you good gifts. God will bless you. God will give you rest. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. Jesus is the light of the world. God's peace is with you. God chose you to bear fruit. You will have eternal life. Jesus is the bread of life. You belong to God. No one could snatch you from God's hand. God, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Jesus will remain in you. The Holy Spirit will guide you to all truth. Jesus has overcome the world. God cares for you. God will make you strong and firm. You have the righteous of God. You are under grace. You are not condemned. You are not a slave to fear. You are a child of God. God works all things for your good. You are more than a conqueror. Nothing can separate you from God's love. Perfect love drives out all fear. God is able to keep you from falling. Jesus will give you rest. You will have abundant life. God's love is, ever, is, is everlasting. God's promises are yes and amen. God will never forget you. You have hope for a future. God will teach and guide you. God is your hiding place. God surrounds you with songs of deliverance. God protects you from the evil one. God provides a way out of temptation. God will comfort you. God is love. You have victory over death. You have life. You'll have a life of of goodness. Nothing is impossible with God. Your joy is complete in Christ. You are saved through faith and grace. You will have, God will give you wisdom. God is good. You are redeemed. God is your shield. You are a new person in Christ. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing. God will finish the work he began in you. Your name is written in heaven. Jesus is preparing a place for you. The Lord is your banner. The Lord will watch over you. God will never let the righteous fall. You have the fruit of the Spirit. You are chosen, holy, and dearly loved. You have a spirit of power and of love, and Jesus is coming soon. 100 promises for us. And now I'm tired. I should have read this at the very end. Did you catch five of them? I hope you caught more. You want a copy? I'll, I'll make you a copy, and you can stick it wherever you look. You can put it in your mirror, put it on your refrigerator, put it in your car. I don't care. But this is just a small sample of all the promises that God has for you and for me. Thousands of promises. And listen, every single one of them, 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, are yes and amen. Every single one. Whatever promise God has given you, it is good, it is true, it is trustworthy. And we can take them and use them and apply them. You see, here's the thing. When it comes to God's promises, God doesn't just give promises to give them. He gives them for many, many reasons. But one is so that we can stand firm on those promises, knowing that God is going to do what he promised to do. 
We live in a world right now. Well, I'll be honest, there's a lot of people making a lot of promises. And we can take only God's promises to the bank. Those promises may or may not come true. We'll see. But we know that God's promises are true. So what can we learn about the promises of God from the birth of John? Let's, let's, let's take this and let's apply it. We talked about the story. We talked about how it's come about. We see God's promises. We know that God has promises for us. So now what? What do we do now? And I think there's some important things we catch here that we need to understand. Number one, promises work within a plan. Promises work within a plan. Let me show you something very interesting that we need to catch. Because I think this is one of those things that, that we'll read over and we'll miss what's going on. We'll miss that God is trying to get us to understand a truth here, okay? So let's look at Luke 1 through 9, or 1, 9, okay? And this is what it says, okay? As was the custom of the priest, he, meaning Zechariah, was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense, okay? So let's talk, we kind of really briefly talked about this, but let's dive into this a little bit deeper. Okay. At this time, we don't know for sure, but most uh, historians, theologians think that probably in the temple area in Jerusalem, there was probably 20,000 priests. A lot of times we don't understand that. A lot of times we go, oh, well, there's, there's just one or two. No, at this point in time, there's about 20,000. Now, there's high priests and things like that. There's different levels and things. But basically, there's about 20,000 that could do the job that Zechariah ends up doing. As I looked at this and I studied this, one of the things I kept seeing over and over again was this was probably the only time in Zechariah's life that he was allowed and chosen to go into the temple and burn incense. This was it. This was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And how is he chosen? He is chosen by lot. He is chosen how they would, would look at a situation and go, okay, we want to know what God's plan is for this moment. We want to know how God is leading us in this time. This is how they did it. And so here we are in the one time, possibly, more than likely, that Zechariah enters in. He doesn't enter in when he's young. He doesn't enter in when he's middle-aged. He doesn't enter in when basically physically he and Elizabeth are capable of doing this on their own, if you get what I mean. He goes in the one time when he's old. When a lot of it, I'll just be honest, I bet you anything they stopped praying. I bet you anything that Zechariah and Elizabeth, they got to a point where it said, you know what, it's too late. It, 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 it cannot happen now. Once again, they looked at their circumstances. You've got to understand something. Sometimes we, we look at the promises of God and we go, okay, here's a promise and I want it today or I want it now. The thing is, it wasn't time yet for the promise for Zechariah and Elizabeth. But let me help you with something. When the time is right, it will take place. You can't look at promises of God and listen, you know what we do? We put, we put time stamps on them. You go to the store and you, you go to wherever section and, and I don't know if you do this, like I'll go buy a gallon of milk, okay? And you know what I look at after I figure out what kind of milk I want as far as the, the, the type? I look at the expiration date. I want to know how long I have to finish my milk. I want to know what, how long before the milk goes bad. 
And what we tend to do with God, with his promises, is we put expiration dates on it. We say, okay, God, you can do this promise, but you can only do it during this time. That's dangerous. Because when we do that, we're making the same mistake Zechariah did. We're putting circumstances above what God can do. He was there at exactly the right time. He was there exactly at the right moment. Because here's the thing. God needed John to be a forerunner for Jesus. And Jesus, it wasn't quite time when Zechariah and Elizabeth were young for Jesus to be born. Listen, trust not only the promises of God but the timing of those promises, okay? Because that's sometimes what we have to understand. God is going to bring it in the timing. Even in the verse that we looked at, when, when we said Elizabeth had her baby, basically we see when the time was right, when the timing came, your promise will work within a plan. And you've got to understand that. Number two, how we respond to the promises of God matters. It matters, okay? How we respond matters. Zechariah responded in a way, and we need to look at it, okay? We need to see why it matters. So let's look at this together. What were the consequences of Zechariah's unbelief? What were the consequences? Because there's one that's obvious and one that isn't. Number one, unbelief robs us of our voice. It robs us of our voice. Look at Luke 1:20. It says, "But now since you didn't believe the angel speaking to Zechariah, what I said to you, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born, for my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time." Unbelief robs us of our voice. Why was this such an a a a, a kind of a devastating discipline from God? Why? Cuz he had great news to share. Think about it. Can you imagine, I mean, just come, I mean, how do, you, how do you explain to somebody, unless you're really, really good at charades, what has taken place in the temple? He comes out just going, uh, 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 you know, he can't speak, maybe angel, um, baby, I, how do you do that? He had some amazing things to share. But because of his unbelief, he silenced. Here's the thing I think we need to understand. There's a lot of Christians out there today who have some amazing news to share. But because their unbelief is overwhelming those things, they're silent. Listen, I read to you a hundred promises. But if you don't believe them and you don't share them with people, you're silent. You're silent. We have good news to share. Listen, the news that we have to share, I'm sure it was exciting for Elizabeth and, and, and Zachariah, absolutely. But you know what? The news we have to share is so much better than the birth of a single child. As wonderful as he was. But you know what? There's a lot of us, because of our unbelief, because we sometimes don't believe the promise that Christ loves us, we are silent and cannot share that promise with others. And it robs us. It robs us. But the other thing, the other thing is unbelief robs us of our effectiveness. Okay? There's something here you need to check out. Because again, there's something here we need to see. Look at Luke 1.21 and verse number 22. Meanwhile, okay, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. When he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. Now, 
this is where we need to understand a little bit what's going on in the culture of the time and kind of how, how basically temple worship worked during this time. For the individual that went into the temple, he burned incense. Okay? During this time, people would gather on the outside of the temple, just like what we see here. Okay, this is one of those things where, where we have to look a little bit deeper. What's really going on? Why are these people here? Aaron, why didn't you just skip over this part? Why does this matter? It matters importantly for this reason. Those people were waiting for this to take place. After he was done, the man, the priest that, that did the, the, brought the incense and did all that would come out to the people. Okay? When he came out to the people, he would recite to them Numbers 6, 24 through 26. It's, it's basically the Lord bless you and keep you verse that we all know and see on, on signs and things like that. That was his job. He was to finish up in the sanctuary, in the temple, and then go out and bless the people. And so that's what they're waiting on. They're waiting for him to come out and accomplish his job, to do the thing that, he was, that he's been waiting his whole life to do. And he comes out, and they're waiting. Okay, here it comes. The Lord bless us and keep us. Make his face shine upon us and give us peace. Okay, this is going to be great. And he's quiet. He's silent. Listen, hear me. Because I believe this is a very important thing to get. I believe this with all my heart. Regardless of what you think or you see communicated to you, I believe this because I believe that human beings were created by God all the same way. Not that we're all the same, but we were all created to need a Savior. We were all created to need God, basically. And I believe that there are people in our world and they're doing it in different ways, and they're doing it at different times, and all these things that are sitting, if it were, if this will make sense, in front of the temple of God. And they're saying, I need something. I need, I need hope. I need peace. I need joy. I need something more than what this world is giving me. And they're looking to the church, and they're looking to the, the Christians, and they're looking to the pastors, and they're looking, and they're saying, what do you got? I need it. And we walk out, and they're going, okay, here it comes. But because of our unbelief, we're silent and ineffective in sharing the good news with them. You see, unbelief doesn't just affect us. It affects others. He was unable to accomplish his job, his mission, because of his unbelief. What's our mission? What has God asked us to do? To go into all the world and share that good news, which is so much greater than the birth of John. But why are we so silent? I think because of the unbelief in our hearts. We'll sit there and go, do I really believe the promises of God? Now, look, that can be very heavy and that can be very like, oh man, I, I know if, if you're like me, you kind of go, oh, maybe I'm not, you know. But listen, here, I put this important understanding in your notes so you would understand. Listen here, listen. Zechariah's unbelief didn't make God take back his promise. Okay? It didn't make him take back his promise. It just kept Zechariah from enjoying it to its fullest. God didn't take back the promise. Listen, when God makes a promise, it's done. It's going to take place. It's our decision to believe the promise and enjoy that. Listen, when we can walk in the truth and the promises of God, that's, that's a great life. 
That's a life that says, you know what? It doesn't matter what's going on in the world right now. We win. It doesn't matter what this takes place. My God loves me. I am chosen by him. I am his son. I am his daughter. When we live in the promises of God, that is a full life that Jesus promised us. If you choose not to live in the promise, that's fine. You don't have to. God's promises are still yes and amen. But listen, your life is not going to be the full life that Jesus wants you to have, that Jesus came to give you. We need to understand that. The final and last one, believing promises of God takes action. It takes action. Now let's kind of go look at something interesting. We haven't talked about this yet, but let's look at Luke 1, 50, 59. This is what it says. When the baby was eight days old, okay, so, so John has been born right now, okay, so this is after, when he's eight days old, they all came for the circumcision ceremony. They wanted to name him Zachariah after his father, but Elizabeth said no, his name is John. Now, here was interesting as I looked at this and studied this, that word no, I mean, we just see no, the word in the Greek that basically is translated into no is a little stronger than that, okay, basically Elizabeth says absolutely not. No way, Jose. I mean, this is, this is not, no, his name is John. It is, no, what are you doing? Stop it right now. I mean, this is very firm, okay? You need to understand that. So she goes, no, his name is John. So now let's continue on with verse 61. What? They exclaimed, there's no one in your family by that name. So they use gestures to ask the baby's father what he wanted to name him. So what's the situation right now? Guess what? Baby's been born. Promise fulfilled, right? Zechariah still can't talk. He's still silent. He's still quiet. This has been eight days. What's going on? Why can't he talk yet? So he motioned for a writing tablet. And to everyone's surprise, he wrote, his name is John. Instantly. Zechariah could speak again, and he began praising God. When is Zechariah given the ability to speak? It's not, listen, hear me here. It's not at the fulfillment of the promise. It's when Zechariah doesn't just accept it, but he accepts something so much greater. Because here's the thing. In obedience, he names him John. By doing that, what Zechariah is doing is he is basically accepting not just the promise of God that says you're going to have a child, but the promise that says people are going to rejoice, and this is going to be a forerunner of the Messiah. All these things, by naming him John, he is accepting fully the promise of God. Not partly, not some of it, but fully. And in that moment, instantly, when that takes place, he's able to speak again. And what's his response? He starts praising God. God waited, it's in your notes, God waited for Zechariah to act on his faith before he was able to speak again. By naming the baby John in obedience to God, Zechariah proved that he believed all of God's all of it. You see, there are times in our lives where God asks us to not just to, to actually take belief and action on the promises of God. 
we, a lot of times we want to say, look, I believe God's promises, but we want to stay and hold them to ourselves, not share them, not do anything, and not have action behind them. Listen, listen, our life should be an expression of the promises of God. How we act, how we treat others, how we live our lives, all of these things should be actions to prove our belief in the promise. But do we do that? Listen, we want, uh, we, we want to be able to speak. We want to be able to share. We want to be able to share the good news of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. And to do that, to speak in the full way that God has given us voice to speak, we have to take the promises of God, apply them, and let that action come forth in us. That's a major part of this. That is something we need to understand. Can you imagine, as the worship team comes up, I want to close, but I want to ask you a question. Can you imagine, just think about this for a second. I gave you, I gave you 100 promises. There are thousands, literally thousands of promises that God has promised us. Can you imagine, though, just for the 100, let's, let's let me do that. Let's just say you picked out, out of the 100 I gave you, five just five. And not only did you believe them, but we acted out our belief in them. Not only did we say, I believe this to be true, but we let that affect us and change our hearts. Can you imagine well, our life would be different. Can you imagine how readily and how much we would desire to share those promises with the people we come in contact with? I mean, look, there is a, a table out there with a bunch of delicious candy canes on them. I, why, why do we do that? Well, mainly because, long story, but I got, some, I got a bunch of candy canes. And I thought, well, that'd be kind of a nice thing to do to give to somebody. But you know what? Listen, and, and hear me here, and I'm not saying you do, but follow me here. We shouldn't need a candy cane to share the good news of Jesus. To share the promise that says, you know what? If you confess your sins, God is faithful and, tr and, and true to forgive you of your sin. That God loves you and he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. That he'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you. I mean, listen, what if we just took those few and lived our life that way all the time? Where when things kind of went difficult or bad, we wouldn't sit there and go, God, why have you left me? God, why are, where are you? God, God, do you really love me? Can you imagine what we could share with people? You know, when somebody looks and you, you say, you know, you know, God can forgive you of that. And they go, no, no, it's too big. It's too, it's too massive. It's too big. I, I messed up too much. God could never love and forgive me. Oh, no, no, no. You see, God's promises are true. They're yes and amen. And so this message, this gift that we get, this child that comes, the gift that we get from the birth of John isn't just understanding God's promises. It's actually applying them and letting our life be different because of them. Listen, it's great to know God's promises. Memorize all 100. Awesome, good. But just the memorization isn't enough. 
they need to penetrate and change us so that then we can go out and share the great news of not, listen, not John's birth, which is a great story, but of Jesus' birth. Jesus' birth. Father, we come to you right now. And God, you have given us so many promises. Father, you have spoken to individuals, specific promises. And Father, you have spoken to all of us promises in your word. And your promises are true. But God, right now, I don't pray that we just know your promises. I pray that those promises will change us and change our world. That we will have the ability to, to not be silent. That we will say, you know what? God wins. It doesn't matter what the score is right now. It doesn't matter what, 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 what's going on right now. God wins. Why do we know God wins? Because God promised it at the end. He's got it. He's conquered death, hell, and the grave. He's got this. And we can trust it. And we can live in joy and peace and hope because of the promises of God. We sing all these songs this time of year. Why do we sing them? Why do we enjoy them? Why do we celebrate this time in Easter? Because God promised us that he would send a Savior and that he would save the people from their sin. Because now we've been made righteous in God's eyes. These are all these amazing promises. And God, your promises are yes and amen. And I pray that for each of us, we will begin even more than we have to take these promises and let them transform our hearts, our minds so that we will no longer be silent but share the good news of you. You're so good. Let's all stand. John and the worship team are to come and lead us in a closing chorus.
Thank you, God. Thank you, God. God, thank you for your promises. Thank you that you are not like a man that could lie. But instead, every word, every promise is yes and amen. Every single thing you promised you would do, you will accomplish. And so we embrace that. We hold on to that. We let that and the truth of that transform our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. You're so good. We love you so much. Thank you for loving us, taking care of us. Be with us now. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you all so much for being here. Those that are online, we love you. We hope you're doing well. We miss you. We hope we see you soon. Guys, there's lots of stuff going on with prayer this week and, and uh, that Christmas Eve service and the candy canes. Don't forget any of it, all right? I know there's a lot going on. That's a busy, busy time. We're so glad that you were here. We love you. We'll talk to you soon. Have a great week. Merry Christmas.